and welcome to Media MD, a fortnightly dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. I'm Elliot Diebold. And uh, we are joined again by Scott Daly. Welcome back, Scott. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, obviously, uh, last fortnight you, you brought us Rocky, and uh, I, we, we, uh, we talked about it, and uh, now we're going to talk about it some more, I suppose. <laughs> um, so... Let's just uh, let's just cover the kind of housekeeping stuff. I know we talked about a few of the different movies. Um, I went away and I watched the first Rocky, and then I a few days later jumped straight to Rocky Four, and that was a very interesting transition. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, well we'll talk about that later. I think um, sure, but let's let's focus mainly on uh, Rocky, original Rocky. Yeah. So, Elliot, do you want to kind of summarize the plot for us here? Sure. Um, so, R- Rocky starts uh, with a with a shot of a picture of Jesus, um, <laughs> which is, is is very blunt, and I kind of liked it. Uh, and th- and then it goes to this uh, fight between Rocky and a guy called Spider Rico, I think it was, mm. and and they're sort of having a fight, and it. I guess Rocky was holding back or something, because uh, c- Spider seems to be beating him, and then and then Spider Rico headbutts Rocky, and he doesn't like that, and he sort of hulks out and just like beats the shit out of this dude. Mm. So I don't know if it was a I-, I I didn't exactly pick up on whether that was a lesson in don't make him angry or or whether you know like whether that whether he was holding back or whether that sort of you know uh, activated him, I guess. But uh... <laughs> I I think it it makes sense as a because you know one of the one of the main themes of Rocky is uh, Rocky as a character, it, his whole kind of quest throughout this movie is to prove that he has he has potential, right? He's not just a bum, as he would say. He's <laughs> he he can do it, but he just kind of hasn't really put in the effort in his life to be good at boxing, right? Um, yeah. And so to me, this this first fight scene is kind of a bit of like, yeah, well, look, if he. He doesn't really think his way through things, and so sometimes he'll just lose unless he, like, actually kind of is goaded into actually performing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, that think, makes sense. I think a lot of what that first fight does is show... It, it defines his character really well, because, yeah, it shows, like, he has his ringside guy, like, trying to give him advice, and Rocky's, like, refusing to listen to him, just doesn't yeah. care. And that's kind of the mm. type of boxer he is until later in the movie, is just this guy that just goes out there and he's strong he has a good punch but he has no form he has no he has never bothered to really learn the fundamentals he's just a brute and that can take you only so far um and that's kind of that's it's it's interesting because a lot of people like a lot of people don't ever give rocky a chance but also he mm. never has given himself a chance really yeah yeah totally yeah. and then, and then the next the next portion of the film is pretty much dedicated to showing us how mediocre his <laughs> life is <laughs> You know he gets he gets like forty dollars for the fight, uh, and then you know he we see his apartment as well, which is I, I thought it was a kind of nice apartment, but I got the impression the the film was trying to tell us that it wasn't what mm. what he deserved. It was littered with knives. The apartment there's just knives everywhere. Yes, <laughs> I I noticed that as well. Actually, <laughs> I was like, there's a disconcerting amount of knives, especially because we'll get to. The, the bit where he brings Adrian home, which is which is oh, a whole yeah. thing. Good times. Um, but like it, the the whole vibe of that scene was made even more menacing to me by just all the knives scattered in the background of this apartment. I felt very scared. I for want her. to touch on this bit where they're kind of making his life out to be mediocre. Because you're right that that's that's what's happening. Uh, but and you know, there's things of him like every time he bumps into somebody for the next half an hour, they're like, "Oh, how did your fight go?" And he's like, "Oh, great, I won forty dollars or whatever." And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> "Come on, Rocky," mm. but. He does the thing I liked about this kind of establishing was he he seems happy like he he has a happy life right he's you know he he kind of he yeah, is content he, he hangs out with yeah. the people on the street corner near the the gym and they all kind of know him and he's like he'll kind of give them some shit and he'll kind of bump into some locals and and people know him and he's like he does I think in a worse movie they could really set this up as like. Yeah, Rocky's got a shit life and it's time to redeem him. But it's it's not really that. It's he he enjoys his life. He has a he has what he would consider a good life, a simple life, right? I I'd almost say it's it's less a statement about his life and and almost more mm. about him. Like he is just someone who sort of easily pleased 
doesn't seem like the right phrase because that almost seems like it's a, got negative connotations. But he's just he's just kind mm. of a simple guy who just you know is is a happy yeah. person. Yeah, kind yeah. Of he's almost. he's a very happy go lucky kind of person. Um, but he's also he's also a very mm. guarded person. Um, I mean, one of his big things is that people don't seem to respect him. So a lot of a lot of what some of those interactions do is show people that like they're friendly to him and they're nice to him, but they're always kind of mm. like joking around and like like just a kind of passive aggressive insults to him that he just kind of like shucks off and takes mm. and, and and laughs back at and that's just the type of person he is but underneath him he's boiling underneath him is is a person who this really is hurting him um and and it's part of the reason why i think he's like mm. he's content in in his giving up kind of mm. yeah yeah i see that and, and i mean because there's one bit where there's a bunch of a bunch of people standing around this uh like mm-hmm. trash fire and they're just singing <laughs> singing Motown, yeah. I guess. I I'm curious is that something people that really all did? the times in like, the seventies yeah. must have been a magical time. <laughs> no, yeah, it's that's a that's America. That's just what we do. Wow. Like even today we still do that. After, actually after I get off this call, I'm gonna go to the local trash fire and I'm gonna sing a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I, I did. I did really like this sort of snapshot of the neighborhood because uh, even I mean, there's a bit. So Rocky's day job uh, when he's not boxing, I guess, is as a sort of uh, enforcer uh, mm-hmm. for the local local mob boss, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's 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 you know basically gone around collecting debts or all, all that sort of typical mob enforcer stuff. But he refuses to break the guy's thumb, even though he's short the the two hundred dollars he owes the the gang and. Rocky gets in a bit of trouble for not doing that, but I think it's setting setting him up as, you know, someone who cares. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I I think so, and it I mean it shows that he's he's super bad at that job. Like that's not the job. Yeah. <laughs> he belongs in really. Not not at all. He's he's actually atrocious at it, which is kind of a good thing really, uh, <laughs> yeah. to yeah. say about someone. Um, I really like the relationship between Rocky and the uh the 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 driver who is always with this mob boss kind of driving him around yeah. who I think to what you were saying before Scott is one of these main people who just completely antagonizes Rocky and it's clear that in a lot of these scenes you kind of get the sense that they could be two steps from joking around or they could be two steps from like fighting in the street and you're never right. really sure which one it's going to be yeah i agree with that yeah yeah, it's it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting way of showing that like you're right. He just people just don't give him no respect. Mm. Well, and I think the best the best indication of that is the the girl he tries to give advice to, a oh, yes. teenager. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I was about to bring up. The yeah. uh, there's like a twelve year old girl, and I, I guess he doesn't like that she's out on the street with a pack of hoodlums. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he calls them coconuts, lemons, and yo-yos, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Examples of the classic slang that that Rocky employs during this whole film. I love how he talks in this movie. Yeah. I love how he talks. I I was I was loving how everyone called each other bums. Like yeah. that just yeah. seems like such a such a non thing to me in this day and age. Uh, but they clearly take the the term bum so seriously in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I loved it. I think there's a there's a time when Rocky says the line, "Be a thinker, not a stinker." Yeah, another classic. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky, all the Rockyisms are so great. I, I just, I love them all. Yeah, it's, I, I, at the start, I wasn't sure if it was just, oh, this is kind of him going for a bit of a seventies vibe. People would talk like this, but no one else talks like that to that extent nope. in the yeah. movie. He just, mm. yeah, yeah. It's just Rocky, and he's always talking. So not only is he talking in a very, very specific kind of way, but he yeah. is never stops talking. So it really accentuates it. Because he's always using words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. Anyway, so, yeah, there's this girl. Sorry, I, I jumped in there. Yeah, oh, and just, you know, uh, Rocky, I guess, tries to give us some advice on how not to be perceived the wrong way. And I, I don't think the advice he's giving her is necessarily aged that well. But um, mm. I, I sort of see what they were going for uh, yeah. in the original film. But she she doesn't sort of take it at all and calls him a creepo. Uh, which again is, is sort of more serious than it sounds, uh, particularly yeah, give, given the context we've been talking about re- uh, with regards to respect and, and all mm. that. So uh, I think this is sort of almost Rocky's low point uh, in the film. Like this is just really the bit where uh, you know things aren't going well with Adrian at this point either. Yeah, and he's just he's just really feeling it at that point. Uh, yeah, of of the film. Yeah, and and there's I mean there's a scene later in the movie where he walks by the same corner 
and he sees her just standing there and he's just like he doesn't yeah. even say anything to her he's just like yeah he's just like resigned to like ah oh, jesus no one no one cares about <laughs> me and what i think at all yeah yeah but then the movie starts to turn around when uh about well it takes a little while for it to really get into what i would call the main plot of this movie but it is kind of setting up the character and, and enjoying yeah. his life a little bit um and uh yeah elliot do you want to do you want to tell us what happens next? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so sort of what's what's been being planted in the background of, of what we've been describing so far as uh, this this local, uh, so the world heavyweight champion Apollo Creed is doing a big fight in Philly. And what happens at this point is the, the guy he was going to fight uh, injures himself in training and can't fight. And no one else can step up last minute either. So uh, Apollo, the, the heavyweight champion, decides to just pick a random underdog uh, and, and sort of, you know, play to this uh, whole, uh, yeah, uh, like, you know, anyone could be the heavyweight champion mm. story that he decides will keep the fight interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's one bit I want to I want to clarify here. The, the whole premise of this thing is it's the bicentennial fight. Right. Because it's 1976. Right. Mm. And, and so that's like the 200th uh, anniversary. Well, they call it like America's 200th birthday. But the fight's also happening on January 1st. And I, I didn't live in America that long, but I thought that's what July 4th was for. I thought that was that was the birthday. It seems like they're doing this fight seven months early. Yeah, I mean, uh, part of me thinks that they specifically wanted to set it in the wintertime because Philly's cold and, like, the cold and bleakness really helps with the tone mm. of the film. Um, but I agree, it probably should have been on July 4th. Uh, but, I mean, I think, like... I wasn't alive in 1976, but as as I understand it, the entire year was like event after event celebrating America's 200th birthday. So like it was like a year long thing. I can but, imagine. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, because we, I mean, uh, uh, Australia is 1901, and so it was 2001 when we had our centennial, and, yep. and it was a bit similar. There was uh there was stuff sort of spread out throughout the entire year mm -hmm. celebrating that. So so that makes sense. Um. But anyway, so so Rocky gets picked, obviously, as this random uh, amateur that gets to fight Apollo Creed. He, he gets picked not because of anything about him, just because <laughs> Apollo Creed likes the sound of the name the Italian Stallion. Right, right, because the Italians <laughs> discovered America. Yeah, which is nonsense. It's, it's, <laughs> it's such a wild reason to choose him, but... But I think, I think that's so important to everything that, like, the, the reason he got this shot was yeah. just blind, stupid luck. That it had nothing yep. to do with him. Yep. It had nothing to do with anything that he has or hasn't done. It's just dumb luck. And and the the weight of the importance of getting the shot that you should never have gotten uh, is part yeah. of what he's dealing with through the rest of the movie. Yeah, de definitely. It yeah, totally. And because and cause this is sort of explicitly, explicitly dealt with. Because they do, before that, uh, Apollo's managers are all trying to get him to pick other specific people <laughs> because of... The facets of them, and they even try to talk him out of Rocky because Rocky's a, a southpaw, yeah. And Apollo just doesn't really listen to; him. he just likes the term Italian stallion, yep. And and so it goes ahead, and yeah. yeah. I like a little bit later in the movie when they're asking him where that nickname came from, and he's just like, "Oh, it's just uh, something I made up about eight years ago." <laughs> and then that's like the, <laughs> the whole story behind the only reason he was picked. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, so this this movie is very wild in the sense that it's it's such an interesting tale of he you know he's he's basically resigned himself to this life and he gets given this once in a million shot and has to kind of get in shape, right? Yeah. But it's like Yeah. Yeah, I I just it's so interesting. It's such a compelling story because it one of the things I want to get into about this movie is it doesn't it doesn't play into what I would consider the tropes of the underdog story. In a lot of ways, it really, like, mm. Rocky isn't there to win, right. right? Like, and this is something that I found so fascinating. Um, he doesn't, well, uh, maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit, but he doesn't, he doesn't seem to care about actually winning the fight. His only real goal is to last a few rounds and prove that he could have had the potential to be somebody, you know, if he had, if he had dedicated his life to it a bit more. And once yeah. once that kind of has happened, he he's happy. He doesn't he doesn't even care. Yeah. Well, I mean, because that's basically like the rest of the plot. We probably just need to talk about now is then we get the the training montage that's, yep. that's sort of iconic now. Yep. And and he he trains and then yeah he enters the fight and uh, through this movie I learned that boxing has fifteen rounds. Yeah. Yes, it I didn't does. know that either. <laughs> there you go. 
Uh, and, and yeah, so basically Rocky's goal is just to last the 15 because nobody's ever, ever even done that against Apollo Creed, apparently. So yeah. he doesn't, yeah, you're right. He doesn't even want to win. He just wants to make it to the end of the match without getting KO'd. And uh, then he does. And, yeah. and that's, the, I, I actually really liked how the film just ends right there. Like there's no sort of little epilogue or, or anything. It's, it's really the, the fight ends. He and Adrian sort of profess their love for each other. And that's literally yep. it. Yep. And I love that, like, I love how that ending, and maybe we are jumping ahead a bit, but I love, I love how that ending scene is shot because it's like the, mm. the outcome of the fight is unimportant. It's unimportant to Rocky. Yeah. It's almost unimportant to the camera. Like the way we don't even really hear because of that guy with the microphone is like, I don't know how they picked up that sound, but I think it was like the least, uh, the least effective way ever to pick up the sound of the guy. Cause it's like echoing and you can barely understand <laughs> him. Um, yeah. But he's kind of in the background saying that Creed won and Creed throws up his hand and like there's there's people blocking him. There's like people in the frame of the camera blocking him. So you can't even really see the scene because it doesn't matter. It's not yeah. important. And, and Rocky's just screaming yeah. for Adrian. It's uh, I love it all. I love it so much. Yeah, I, um, I, I actually watched the, the, the original with my sisters and one of them did actually miss the, the line where it's because it's, it's one throwaway <laughs> line. It's like Creed. Creed wins, and, yeah. and it, it's so not the focus, and and so one of them actually didn't even notice. So it, it is a blink and you'll miss it thing because you're right; it it's not the important part to yeah. Rocky. Yeah, and I I freaking cried again because every time I watch this movie, the the moment <laughs> the moment he falls down in the fourteenth round or the fifth one of the last two rounds, he falls down, mm. and and Mickey's like, "Just stay down, just stay down," and he refuses to, and he gets back up. Um, from that moment yeah. on, I'm just a, a emotional mess because it's like he could he could have just chosen to stay down. That that could have been it. But this time, this for the first time in his life, possibly uh, he gets up and and says no. Yeah, yeah. I, so this is interesting to me because the the ending of the movie, I really liked it conceptually, but I, like with with Rocky, I I really liked the idea of having this underdog movie where the underdog actually doesn't care if he's won. Like the fact that he's got to the point that he's got to is enough for him. And he's so, mm-hmm. he's so, he's so confident in that. He's so happy in that. But it did, I, I don't know. I did feel like it hurt my like emotional investment into the movie because it does, you know, maybe I'm just kind of conditioned to more, uh, more modern kind of stylings of, of filmmaking. But I, I am kind of going into it, being like, "All right, he's gonna he's gonna beat the champ. He's gonna do it." And then they, <laughs> he, he just kind of he doesn't worry about it. It, it was I don't know. It, it felt quite abrupt to me. So, so that's interesting. I I probably had the opposite effect. I thought the the, that difference actually enhanced my my viewing because mm. I've seen so many movies where that is exactly what happens. You know, the the mighty ducks uh, get the win <laughs> or whatever in the end, and it was nice to just see him sort of have a goal that wasn't super ridiculous, like just instantly winning against the heavyweight champion of the world, yeah. and, mm. and still achieving his his goal. And I think that's that's a nicer message as well, rather than every other movie which is just like oh well after you try you will become the best in the world it's like well <laughs> yeah. not necessarily yeah uh, set reasonable goals and achieve them and be happy with that i think is, is actually a good message well and and spoilers um he he beats creed in the second movie well so, yes so uh, there's that yeah i mean i guess we'll have a section dedicated uh, <laughs> I, I did the same thing as ruben i i skipped ahead to the fourth one which left me with some questions about what happened in the middle but it was so wild guys <laughs> like the whiplash from going to rocky one to rocky four was incredible i told you i told you a couple of weeks ago that like yeah the fourth one is yeah. what people think when they think of these movies but this first movie is so so different yeah uh, it really no is. totally the fourth movie really wind up with what i understood of the series going <laughs> in like, exactly what you said i i had the idea of this tacky over the top boxing series and that yep. is kind of what the fourth one delivered yep, yep. uh whereas the the first one was a lot more grounded and uh humble i guess is the word i'm looking for yeah so yeah. The, but one of the first things that happens in the fourth movie and i, I just have to talk about this because i it's just so wild to me is rocks the heads home and there's a robot yeah and he's just <laughs> bought a robot for, for paulie and it's like it's like beyond or a bit beyond the capabilities of what robots can do now. It's like a robot butler <laughs> assistant thing. It's <laughs> amazing. It seems like one it's of those amazing. things a Hollywood executive was like, yeah. 
this movie needs a, a futuristic robot and yep. and nobody nobody had the balls to say no so now <laughs> yeah. there's a now there's a robot yeah I, i've been playing this card game recently where everyone pre- is like everyone is like a studio uh, executive a producer and you pitch a movie and then at some point during the game, one of the players will pick up a card and it will say something like, oh, can the, can the main character have a sidekick? Oh, how can we franchise the sequels? Stuff like that. And you have to kind of work that into the plot. That feels like what has happened in this movie. Like, oh, we need a <laughs> robot for the, for the kids to love and to sell action figures. <laughs> it's, 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 it's wild. It's bizarre. I think, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I guess since we're just talking about the fourth movie, <laughs> so I had I had my issues with Polly in the first film, and yeah. that that's probably a conversation we could have next. But in the fourth one in particular, I have no idea what he was doing there. Like the only thing he did in the fourth film was have this weird lover robot thing. Yep. Yeah, um, he was it, the star of the film. <laughs> I mean, the thing about the robot is that. Um, it, the reason why it's in the movie is because Sylvester Stallone had uh, an autistic son and and the robot was like used to help like uh, it was the 80s we didn't really understand a lot about autism back then mm. um so the robot was like mm. used to help with communication with his son so Sylvester Stallone just decided to write it into the movie as like a, an homage to his son um which is like a touching story but yeah it's really yeah. it's really weird that's so interesting. Yeah, it, actually, it, it's kind of touching knowing that story, but definitely without it, it's 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 a it's a whole lot of what the hell. Yeah, especially because Paulie starts what can only be described as dating this this robot, <laughs> right? Like, yes, yes, they're in love. It's a love story. Yeah, yeah, it's really it really takes a turn. To to focus on the good in <laughs> yeah, the fourth let's, movie, let's get back I, I think, to reality. Yeah, uh, the. The the thing I did really like in the fourth film was the the training montage, uh, like the comparative one between Drago and Rocky. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was it was a simple premise, but I really liked seeing Drago in in all his artificial machinery doing an exercise, and then just rock, watching Rocky do the uh you know the everyman version of it out in the hills, like lifting rocks instead of weights and chopping a tree instead of I can't even remember what Drago was doing there, but it, it was just it. it it really captured the essence of the entire fourth film. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really well done. Apart from that, um, I, yeah, <laughs> the whole bit where he, he turns the Soviet Union with his amazing boxing was <laughs> yeah. just, I just don't understand. I, I actually think, I actually think the, 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 the um, montage scene is really interesting because it kind of shows like what the mindset was in that era of the Cold War, right? Where like, it, it, it's kind of the United States being like, Okay, you might be better than us technologically, but we've mm. got like old, like good old heart and like yeah. back to nature mm. kind mm. of. That's how we're gonna win, which is so funny because like you think of America now and just it's like it's yeah. so crazy to think <laughs> of that. Like we're, we're that was the acknowledgement that another country might have been doing better than us technologically, um, but but we're still better because of of the human factor, which is just so <laughs> opposite of everything now. But <laughs> I. I did notice that as well. It, it, like that, that part of the the plot line sort of struggled to gel with me for that reason. Like yeah. now here in in the twenty first century, that isn't exactly how I would view the world. So yeah. it's um. Well, and I don't even think it was true back then. I just think it was a way for uh, <laughs> the United States to rationalize the fact that in some ways they were losing the tech race. Yeah, like there, there were just a few moments in in this film. Like there's a bit where when Drago's having his match against Apollo Creed. And so they lift the ring up into the stadium and Drago's just sort of standing there and he he's meant to sort of look bewildered at all like how how great America is because <laughs> Apollo Creed has all these singers and, and that, dancers. Is that what he's meant and to I look? I was definitely on Drago's side. Yeah. In that like I, I probably had the same look on my face as the as the actor of Drago did. Like I was just watching all this stuff and I was like, What is the point of any of this? Like yeah. what's going on? That's Apollo, that's what he does. I was pretty solidly <laughs> on the side of the Russians for a lot of this of this movie because they come to America to like you know try and compete and enter the world stage and everyone just treats them like shit the whole yeah. movie yeah right? like they they're just insulting them the whole time I don't know like I get obviously yeah. Ivan Drago killed Apollo Creed and that was pretty not okay but <laughs> I don't I, I found it hard to see them as the villain. Yeah, well, I think like the Drago himself is actually a victim of this whole thing, right? I mean, that's the that's mm. the only part of yeah. the movie that I yeah. think really works 
is this idea that like he's been forced into this thing that he really doesn't want to do um yeah but he he has so much pressure and then the minute he starts losing he's just abandoned by everyone on his side and and that the sadness of that whole part yeah um, which is i mean yeah. it it takes some guts to do that in a movie where they also show him kill apollo creed who in the third movie became rocky's bestest friend of all time which is, <laughs> which is why the third movie's wonderful mm-hmm. but um i i'm surprised they were able to pull that off they like kill a character we love and then also make us feel bad for the guy that killed him. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely felt for Drago at that end bit there, and then because then there's a bit where even the Soviet crowd turns on him, and he's just sort of like, "No, I I have to do this for me now," because like, what else have I got? Yeah, basically, yeah, is, is the vibe he gives off. And yeah, no, the, the the Apollo bit was a bit of a jump going from the first to the fourth movie, and suddenly Apollo and Rocky were best friends. I did just sort of accept it, but there was like, <laughs> I'm definitely missing some story here. Yes, yes. See, in the in the third movie, uh, which is not racially wonderful, but Rocky has to fight uh, a guy named Clubber Lang, who is Mr. T. And mm. um, in order to defeat him, he has to learn uh, a different kind of boxing from Apollo, uh, a more eth- ethnic <laughs> kind of boxing, oh, that, uh, okay. which is their, what the implication is that he, he needs to learn how to box like a black man, kind of, to be able to defeat this guy. Um which, I mean, that's not great, but it's also, like, the first time in these movies where Rocky learns, like, actual technique. <laughs> no one ever <laughs> teaches him technique. It's like, oh, you have bad footwork? Okay, well, let's teach you how to have good footwork, actually. And, and it's, they, they go running on the beach together. It's very romantic. Um, it's a great movie. I love Rocky III. <laughs> um, actually, I, Rocky IV, uh, so the bit where Creed is killed and, and Rocky doesn't throw in the towel uh, because Creed told him not to. I have to imagine that's a driving influence of uh, the movie Creed that you sort of told us is about Apollo's son. Yeah. Um, like, I, I have to imagine there's some co- complexity to Rocky and, and younger Creed's relationship because Rocky didn't throw in the towel. I, uh, I'm, I'm actually keen to see Creed because of what happened in Rocky Four. I think, yeah, I mean, I think you will really enjoy it. I, without spoiling it, you are correct. Mm. <laughs> and, and then I, I saw that uh, Creed 2 is about fighting ivan drago's son and again yeah i'm sure there's some tensions in there <laughs> yeah there is I, I i liked that movie i didn't like it as much like i i it, it upsets mm. me that the these latest movies the things they're going back to revisit is the worst rocky movie <laughs> really that's really bums me out um but i i understand it it's the most well-known of the rocky movies yeah yeah <sighs> so traveling traveling all the way back to rocky one yeah um i I, I want to get your guys' impression on the the Adrian Rocky relationship mm. in this film, because clearly by Rocky Four, I like they seemed I, I I enjoyed their relationship a lot more in the fourth one personally. Uh, I I thought the the role she sort of played as as a wife made made sense in the context of the film uh, mm. as someone who was just trying to get Rocky to be more than just a fighter. Um, and and then ultimately sort of having to su- support him um as someone who's in his life but in in the first one i i i didn't understand that he was flirting with her for quite a while <laughs> well that's cuz he's yeah, so goofy at it. that's why yeah so <laughs> yeah i don't know so adrian obviously i think it, what comparing the first and the fourth movies she has more of a of a distinct character in the first movie in my opinion than in the fourth yeah. movie when she's kind of playing the the supportive wife of the underdog kind of thing, right? Um, but in the first, you're right. Their their uh, their courtship, as it were, is so strange in that first movie. There, there's a scene where Rocky has talked to Paulie, and Paulie's like, "Oh yeah, come over and you can have a date with my sister. It'll be great." And so Rocky comes over, and the whole way over, he's asking Paulie, "Oh, she knows I'm coming, right? She knows I'm coming." And Paulie's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah, he asks like four times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was right to because. He gets there and she doesn't know that he was coming and she's not, she doesn't seem to want to engage with, with a, a date with him in any way. And then Paulie just kind of forces her to do it and yells at her until they go on a date together. And then they, yeah. and then they're dating. Well, it's, it's weird, right? Because I think I agree with you guys that this relationship is very weird. Um, mm. But I think, I think all of it's there in the movie. It's just like very quietly there. Like the first yeah. scene when he goes um, and, and tells the turtle joke to her which is hilarious because you see him rehearsing the joke in the mirror the night before. I just, I loved that. Yeah. It's yeah. so goofy. 
but yeah. like she is very clearly into him like the camera yes. like the lingers on her yes. like checking yeah. him out and like like being really interested in, but she's just like so shy and yeah. uh, the the movie kind of it never really tells it like it, it just it just declares it officially as shy but you do have um the asshole driver who calls her an r word that i won't repeat and and mm. and you do wonder if she she's on like the spectrum somewhere and it's not mm. just shyness it's like something something else but i think the the idea is that they're two they're two kind of oddballs of society um and they and that's kind of why they they are drawn towards each other yeah, yeah i did I, get that impression I, a little bit <laughs> and i think i think it's it's you know it's allowed to be awkward there there are some parts when when rocky kind of first kisses adrian it's pretty feels very skeevy um or when he first coerces her into entering his apartment as, yeah. as well yeah and, and i and i guess you know thinking back to old james bond films that was just something those films often did with the whole like oh, the, the the woman doesn't want to but then she actually does you know she's just like, yeah. she's just Coy pretending or like she doesn't yeah. and yeah and uh you know it's just it's an unfortunate thing that they used to do back yeah. then it's not great and and that's when i told you two weeks ago you know <laughs> yeah. put yeah. put the movie in the context of the time th- this is the scene i was thinking of because it's yeah. not great but part of me like part of me wonders if if this is just falling into old tropes that we shouldn't have ever done or part mm. of it is just rocky is just kind of so dumb <laughs> that he's just like <laughs> completely ignorant to the fact that uh, of how uncomfortable she is like i i it's hard for me to re- read any like any menace or disrespect in him there just because i just oh, think yeah. he like just isn't aware like he's just like like she's very clearly uncomfortable like it's 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 really really difficult to not notice she's uncomfortable and and I don't think he's like yeah. ig- I don't think he's like choosing to ignore her uncomfort. I just think he's just like just so unaware of it. And and I think he's I can say I that. think part of him is he's really excited too. Like he's he's has Adrian yeah. in his bedroom, which is something he's like like wanted <laughs> for wanted. a long yeah. long time and he's just like being he's just being rocky and and it's just this it is a really weird scene. Like I do agree that like he he literally puts his hand on the door and then puts his hand on the oh, wall yeah. and like boxes her into the corner <sighs> um and that's really mm. uncomfortable um but i will say that once he kisses her she's definitely kissing him back like that yeah. that is one thing that i think the movie yeah. does a good job of of once that initial contact happens like it's not that she is being kissed she is kissing so at least they had that part in it at least yeah yeah well from there the the relationship kind of goes on you know paulie's still around which is a shame uh but (laughs) oh yeah he's so annoying in this movie the the two of them actually form like like a a very genuine relationship and yeah and that's you know that sort of culminates in that bit at the end where she runs onto the ring and and i think the other important bit is when he sort of confides in her the the thing where he says he doesn't want to win he just wants to last like that's something i don't think he would have told anyone else or could have told anyone else yeah yeah, I mean, I I love their relationship. After you get past that first awkward hump, um, <laughs> I I I love it. I, I think it's I do think it's funny that like he tells her like she looks good without glasses on, and then for the rest of the movie she's just not wearing glasses. And I'm like, <laughs> can <laughs> she see? <laughs> like, we don't like. D- d- does she have contacts? Did they have contacts in 1976? I don't know. Um, I just thought that was funny. But yeah, I mean, she's like, and they're kind of supporting each other, like a lot of a lot of the character growth in this movie is very quiet it's it's it doesn't draw a lot of attention to itself and she you kind of see her um like become more self-assured throughout the movie she she that scene where she talks back to polly like you get this idea that polly has run her life the entire time has never respected her never treated her well and she's kind of just taken it and then she's kind of gotten to a point where she she pushes back and, and rocky helps her do that um, and I, I think there's, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, she gets support from Rocky. Like, and that's, that's sort of the defining thing, even before their relationship starts yeah. is Rocky just really likes her for who she is and basically teaches her that who she is, is okay. Yeah. Um, mm. Cause that's something that Paulie has definitely not been teaching her. I do want to say one funny thing though, <laughs> and I have no idea if Sylvester Stallone meant to do this, but in this first movie, um, the stupid guy in the car that calls her the r word says he should yep. take her to the zoo because they like the zoo um in the second movie he proposes to her at the zoo 
And I don't oh, know if no. like I don't know if like that was an intentional thing. Like they did that on purpose. I have no idea, but it's just like wow. Wow. Well, I, so I noticed the fourth one was still written and and, and also directed by uh, Sylvester. Mm-hmm. Is uh, do you know if the second or third ones were written by him as well? Uh, yes, because it'd be hard. It'd be hard to believe if he wrote one and two that he didn't remember that. I believe he's written uh, every single one. I think. Mm. Um, okay. Ex- he he did not he did not write Creed. Uh, he did write Creed too, though. Um, but mm, other than that, I think I think he's written every single one of these movies. I, I have to say, he he wrote a great role for himself because <laughs> you know we can talk yeah. about Sylvester Stallone's limitations separately. But like this, this was a great character for him to play compared to I've seen I've seen bits of Rambo and, and some other stuff, and yeah, this was this was a role he was well, you know, you you couldn't have written a better role for him. Yeah, he. he- he, he he was very compelling as an actor in this role. Like, there were a few times where he had to sell some more emotional script stuff, and it really landed. Like, yeah. I really bought into it. Yeah, I don't think Sylvester Stallone is a great actor. Uh, I think Rocky is his best character, for sure, and he knows he knows how to play that character. I'm really looking forward to you guys watching Creed uh, to mm. see that, like, you know, 40 years later, he still can just kind of, <laughs> slot right into this character and 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 he's older he's slower but he's rocky like he is still rocky balboa that's just who he is and uh, mm. it's it's wonderful i'm still i'm still really mad that he didn't get the best supporting actor oscar for creed like he should have won that he really should have uh but oh well yeah interesting interesting it's gonna be a weird because part of the part of the charm of of the character is that he is in, he, he's kind of like old timey, right? Like he feels, yeah, yeah. he feels like he's from another era, and so it's, it's a very interesting uh, conceit to be like, yeah, here's this older guy who's still just kind of out of time, but he's in a modern setting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And he's so nice. He's so nice to everyone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My favorite scene of the movie is the scene with Mickey, where Mickey like comes over to try to get him to be his to manage. Oh him. yeah, uh, that's my favorite scene in the whole movie because like. I, I love how Sly plays it where he's clearly pissed off and Mickey is like just going through his spiel, like realizing more yeah. and more how angry Rocky is at him. And then I, he yeah. walks out the door and then Rocky just starts screaming at him. And then, but the scene ends with him running out there and saying, and like talking to him and it, you don't hear the line, like there's no dialogue there. You don't hear it. Yeah. But what you've got is like, yeah, of course you can be my trainer. Like, of course. And and that's like, this movie is filled with people who uh who never got their shot right it's people who who have lived their life Mm. and they never lived up to what they they felt that their potential was and here rocky gets Mm. lucky and and he brings these people along with him um and Mm. and yeah because i think he recognizes this idea of of being disappointed in your own life and and like if if someone can give this to me i need to extend it to other people like even the 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 shamrock meets logo on the back of his robe uh, <laughs> yeah. Polly gets three thousand yeah. dollars and i get to keep the rope it's perfect yeah yeah i guess that's that's at its core what it is right it's a movie about people who have potential to have better lives and if they have a chance and they take that chance you know they can yeah. they can become very rich and have robots and robot girlfriends and all that good stuff <laughs> that everyone wants <laughs> right until rocky five is it uh, which one is it that he goes? <laughs> oh, no. One of them he goes bankrupt because his uh, his accountant was uh, embezzling. I can't remember which one. It, oh, I think it no. was five. Oh man! I want to. When's the one where he boxes against the robot? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm assuming that's why the robot was introduced, right? Yeah. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint. That was going to be in Rocky Six, but then they changed that to Rocky Balboa, and it all went off track. That is a great movie. Watch that one too. Watch all of them. Yeah, I, I I probably am going to. Uh, I I imagine. Especially, I, I I am keen to see how how they progress through time because, like, watching Rocky, and, and I'm not saying this is a positive or a negative thing, but it was hard not to be, I guess, distracted by the seventiesness of it. Mm. <laughs> as, as um yeah, fair. As someone who's who's under thirty, uh, and, and hasn't watched too many movies from that era, uh, like just watching the way people do their hair and and all that sort of sure, thing, it's hard sure. not to. Not to get a bit caught up in that uh, at times as as a novelty of the film that probably 
isn't meant to be a novelty. It was just meant to be normal back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You said you wanted to talk about Polly, though, and I'm really interested because, I mean, Polly is designed to be an unlikable character, but I will say yeah. that I love mm. Polly. And I... <laughs> uh, that's that's wild, Scott. That's that's a crazy thing to say. Yeah, I there mean, must be, yeah. there must be good Polly moments in the movies we haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, no, like he he the thing <laughs> the thing about Polly really is that he never changes. Like he he mm. is he's the same person. But Rocky, like, I, I feel like everyone has that friend that they just don't know why they're friends with, you know, like, it's just mm. like, it's just like, <laughs> why, why do I still hang out with this person? And it's like, I don't know, because I do. And, and I'm loyal to my friends, even the ones that are kind of dicks. And, and Polly yeah. is an asshole. He's a terrible person. But like, I think the movie helps you kind of understand him in that. Like, he is, he is a version of Rocky that will never get his shot, right? Like he's been stuck working in the meat plant his entire life. Um, he's never married because he says because he had to take care of his sister. Um, yeah. it's probably just he was an asshole and no one wanted to marry him. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's obviously a drunk. Like he's drinking constantly. And I, I mean, I just like I, I, I like I don't I understand why he's so angry at the world. Like I, I get that. Um, mm. and it, it's not to excuse his behavior. I think his behavior is terrible, but I just understand him. And, and I think he's a great example of, of Rocky's essential goodness because he keeps this guy around even through his rise to stardom and he becomes the heavyweight champion of the world and like eventually loses it all. But Polly is there the entire time, um, because Rocky makes a decision to help him. And I, I don't know. I think he's a, like, if he was more likable, I think you wouldn't see it the good in rocky as much i i actually kind of liked him as a bit of a foil for rocky in that he he also he always asks everyone for everything as well yeah whereas rocky is someone who tries to earn it himself i guess um mm. like paul is constantly asking rocky for the job uh with, with the mob boss as another enforcer he yeah. you know he's he's always sort of trying to get get rich the quick way almost like he 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 wants things he wants to do things the easy way and that's yeah. the opposite of rocky 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 was is the fighter uh and 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 i thought that was one of paulie's roles in the film as well was to contrast those those two mindsets isn't it interesting though that like rocky is a terrible enforcer but he like <laughs> won't yeah. he won't give the job to Polly, who would probably like probably make a better enforcer than rocky because well, like he would have broken the guy's thumbs yeah right? he definitely would have broken the guy's thumbs uh yeah absolutely and i think you're right that that you know rocky is looking out for him even when rocky hasn't had his shot yet he's still kind of he knows oh Polly, yeah. you shouldn't do that that's not the right thing for you and he is he, i i think you're right that he works very well as a character in the film because he is a foil to rocky's good good-heartedness but you know i, I just <laughs> he just uh, characters like that just get just great on me so much because they're just so they're so unrepentantly jerkish yeah you know? yeah i mean that's very true i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stick up for Polly's <laughs> behavior at all you're a real poorly apologist <laughs> um yeah uh, on the whole this, there's a lot of things to love in rocky i think um i think there are parts of it that do kind of feel from the era and that sure. I think has to take away from it a bit, but uh, yeah, it's 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 not it's different enough to what I expected going into. Oh, this is a an an underdog sports movie, right? It it, it delineated itself mm. enough from that that it that is you know it it it's compelling. It's very compelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. And if I had any complaints about the sequels, which I I unapologetically love anyway, <laughs> um, is that it damages that a bit like rocky 2 is literally this movie except yeah. except he wins at the end instead of loses like they almost remade the movie <laughs> except he wins this time um yeah. and that's not great but it, a lot of it just still works and i think it comes down to rocky balboa as a character i mean that's like the heart of these movies and and as long as he is in them i will continue to love them yeah are they making a, a creed 3 is it still continuing i i, I don't I don't think they've announced anything uh, officially. Uh, mm. Sylvester Stallone has indicated that he is done with the series, but he said that before, so I'll believe that <laughs> when I see it. Whose kid are they going to fight next, I wonder? Right, yeah. Paulie's kid. He'll probably be <laughs> <laughs> Half robot, half man. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I, I I feel like he's had a very hard time stepping away from this character because he said yeah. he's done with it many times. Um, and the whole point of the, the Creed movies were to be like moving it on to the next one. But mm. he's he's mm. still been such a really big part of those movies. And in the first one, I thought the first one served as a very, very, very good buy to Rocky. Um, the original, mm. the first Creed. Yep. But then he's back in Creed 2. <laughs> And and it's not a terrible goodbye for Rocky, but it seems like it should be like, OK, let's just let's move. Let's stop. Like Rocky's done his stuff. He's great. <laughs> I love him. I'll always love him. But it's time to time to move on. I mean, if if Stallone's writing them, he might Creed three. The plot of it could kind of recycle some Rocky four stuff where, you know, <laughs> young Mr. T beats beats <laughs> Rocky to death. And then uh, the new Creed has to has to take him down or something. Yeah, know, a grim ending to the character. I think finally the Rocky movies have gotten to the point where they're like, okay, we can't put Sylvester Sloan in the ring anymore. He's just too old. <laughs> <laughs> nonsense. Like in, uh, Ro- when did Rocky Balboa came out? Because that was the, the, that's the last time he actually does boxing, and even then he looks he looks pretty old. Yes, that was two thousand six. Yes, so that was thirteen years ago, and he was already probably too old then. That's got to be about the same time that fourth Indiana Jones film came out and had the yeah, same problem. Yeah, I think so. Well, in Rocky Four, Apollo and Rocky are talking about how they're too old to, they're, they're already too old to be kind of facing up against the new boxes. Um, yeah. And, that, you know, that was 20, 20 years before Rocky Balboa came out. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the hilarious part about these this whole series of movies, because, like, the whole thing about the first movie is that Rocky's in his 30s, He's past his yeah, prime. Past it's his already prime, too. Yeah. It's already too late for him. And then and then they built an entire franchise off of him. <laughs> it's been too late for him for thirty years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Elliot, overall thoughts? Yeah. Uh, no, I did. I I did really like it. Uh, I'm I'm keen to see the rest and sort of get a clearer picture of Rocky's whole journey. <clears throat> yeah, it reminded me in in good ways of. Uh, my favorite fighting film, uh, which is Ip Man, mm. which I believe you've seen, yep, Ruben. We I watched think it together. Mahit forces both yeah. to watch that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen that one, Scott. Yeah, I've seen. I don't know. How, there's a lot of those, right? I don't know how many I think I've there are seen. Four but now is that right? I've only seen three. Uh, there may be. There may be more. I, I really like Ip Man one and Ip Man two and three. I guess kind of go through the same problems <laughs> that some of the later Rocky <laughs> films have. <laughs> In a lot of ways, where mm-hmm. uh, Ip Man solves colonialism um, <laughs> in in Hong Kong by beating a boxer, yeah, perfect um, classic, which you know isn't a nuanced issue at all. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it reminded me of Ip Man in in a lot of good ways. So yeah, I quite like this one. I want to give this one like an eight and a half. I reckon. I I don't think I was as emotionally affected by it as I could have been. I think there are just a few too many things that that pulled me out of that. And so for me, I, while I did very much enjoy this movie and like a lot of things that it was doing, for me it sits more comfortably around like a seven and a half. How dare you? I know. <laughs> that's a harsh critique. <laughs> well, that that's the end of our discussion about Rocky. Uh Ooh, it's it's a it's a long it's a long series of movies, and I'm interested to see how they change. I'm kind of a bit disappointed that after Rocky Four, it seems like they've righted the ship a little bit because I would love to see <laughs> some of the wilder things, like Rocky going back in time and fighting some some prehistoric caveman boxer or whatever wild things they could have pulled off. Yeah, they they should have gone the Fast and Furious route <laughs> and just doubled down on 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 the ridiculous angle. Mm. Yeah, a, a lot of people think Rocky Five <laughs> is the worst one. Um, I disagree with them, but mm-hmm. yeah. Rocky Five is a weird, weird movie. There's n- mm. really no boxing match. It's a street fight. Um, it's oh, interesting. It's, it, it's an interesting movie. Um, it's it's not great, <laughs> but I think it's it's got it's better than four in my opinion. Uh, but I think it would be there at the end of the list. And then after mm. five, they took a lot. Like five killed the quote unquote killed the franchise. Um, yep. And then they came back years and years later with Rocky Balboa, which is much closer to the first movie than just about any of them have been. Um, and I really love that one. And then and then they were finally done. And of course, Creed. So, <laughs> yeah, who knows? It, it's just it's just an enduring character in the zeitgeist now. He'll never die. Yeah. Yeah. There's a freaking statue of him in Philadelphia by the steps. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um. 
Well, thank you for for joining us, Scott, and for bringing us Rocky. It was a it was a fun time and a good opportunity to learn more about American culture through the uh, the introduction sequences for Apollo Creed's performances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This I always love talking about this movie, and and I love introducing it to new people. So I'm glad you got some enjoyment out of it. I'm sure. You probably don't love it as much as I do, but I guess nobody can. So I'll just have to let myself be okay with that. Yes. Um, so for our listeners who uh, want to hear more of the other kinds of films that you enjoy, like Rocky Scott, uh, where can we where can we send them? You can send them over to doofmedia.com. Um, that is where all of our podcasts are. We have the Doofcast, which is like our variety show where we talk about various movies and games and uh, TV shows. Um, we also do a deep dive of ward and worm uh the mm. web serials written by Wildbow that you guys are now going through packed on and then i also mm-hmm. do a show over there called vow to view with my wife which is uh i we make each other watch mm. movies and then and then talk about them and she gets very mad at me when i pick inappropriate <laughs> teen <What>? comedies <laughs> oh whenever anyone uh whenever anyone talks about the the pitch for vow to view i always have to make a point to jump in and say look yes it's that is kind of what the format of the show is but it's not really about that it's more yeah there's some talk about the bachelor they just kind of talk about their lives it's a very uh it's it's a very compelling podcast but yeah, yeah i think there's, like, there's so much more to it than just the on-paper description sure sure and i think it's just because we realized that like i i like i didn't want it to be like a an analytical like talk yeah. deep into movie show um so there's really like you have to fill time with some other stuff and it just ended up just being just my wife talking on microphone about nonsense for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part of it. It's just yeah, a great, yeah, yeah. it's a great Scott and Elise chemistry power hour kind of show. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and I love it as well. Cause I don't have the stomach for the bachelor and, and I usually have to consume all of the drama through, <laughs> through filters. Um, so there's a, there's some comedy shows in Australia, which are, how I get my updates on the the Australian Bachelor and and Vat of Views has sort of turned into how I understand what's happening in the American Bachelor. Uh, it's starting up again soon. I don't want. I don't want it to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So to check out all those shows, uh, head over on to to doofmedia.com, I suppose. Yeah. So pretty pretty good discussion on punching. Um, but you know the thing that I really liked the most about Rocky Four was it started to turn more into a superhero story, and so this fortnight. I'm bringing to to you, the audience, and to you, Elliot, and to you, Scott, if you're interested too, um, a TV show that came out a little while ago uh, called Umbrella Academy. What a what a flawless segue! Uh, Thank you. That was. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I've heard of it. Uh, it made a big splash. It came out on Netflix like a month or two ago. Yeah, something like two months ago, I think. Yeah, and and uh, uh, you know, I guess. There's a lot of there's a lot of superhero TV already in my life, so it, it's just hard to really justify diving into any more. So I I didn't really give it a second glance, despite hearing mostly pretty good things. Yeah, well, so unlike a lot of superhero TV, Elliot, this superhero TV show is actually based on a comic book. Hmm. Mm. Huh. That's an, uh, so it's it's a it's a neat uh, a niche, yeah. What a twist, am I right? Um, <laughs> so so Umbrella Academy was a comic book series that that did just six uh, episodes, six chapters, uh, back in two thousand and seven. Um, and it's written by oh, I've dropped the name, but it's like the lead singer of a a pretty famous um like punk band. I can't remember the name. Let's not worry about it too much, but um. It, it this this the comic book has kind of had a bit of a revival since the show's come out, or just as the show was starting to come out, they they kind of revisited it and did some more um more issues. Ah, uh, so so more than the original six, you mean? Yes, uh, but okay. this this first season of the show is basically the, telling the story of the first six, more or less. Um, actually, okay. telling the story of the first the first uh, is it the they might have done two runs to start with, and now they're doing a third one. I, I might be getting that a bit confused, but uh, this this season is more or less doing a retelling of the first set of stories. Okay, and so this isn't like, uh, you know, I, I guess usually when I think of comics and superhero comics and all that, there's basically like DC and mm. Marvel, and they're all unnecessarily connected. And then I think there's like a yep. few where it's like, I think Watchmen is yep. sort of done by DC or published by DC, but it's its own 
little universe. So is this well, one of its own? it was to start with. It's not anymore, but oh. yes. <laughs> um, this is its own thing. Uh, the, the story of this uh, comic series is that there was a year, uh, there was a day in, I can't remember the year, something like 1980, uh, when about 40 women gave birth. Uh, and none of these women were pregnant at the start of that day. And they all gave birth to these children. Um, what a and day. An eccentric... <laughs> what a day, indeed. An eccentric uh, millionaire went around adopting these children, uh, and they turned out to develop superpowers. He he adopted seven of them, and those seven became the Umbrella Academy, a, a team of child superheroes, similar to, you know, a young X-Men or something like that. Yeah, okay. This TV series takes place 20 years after that team has disbanded, as they all regroup for the uh, funeral of... The, of their adopted father, who has who has died quite recently. Ah, okay, um, okay. So it's sort of after the the prime years, basically. Yes, uh, uh, prime years in the sense that this is you know it it is a superhero show, but it takes a more darker and more realistic tone. Um, the <laughs> the characters each have kind of developed their own mental problems as a result of their. Very wild upbringing, being the you know adopted superpowered children of an eccentric millionaire slash billionaire. Fair enough. Yeah, um, yeah, and and so we <laughs> we basically get this show that is very much about the m- mental health and fa- complicated family interpersonal drama of these children who just happen to have superpowers. Um, well, they're not children anymore, obviously, but mm. yeah. Um, so a few things I really liked about this show. The plot is wild. Um, it's <laughs> it's great. It's like, it's got this kind of larger than life quality to it. Actually, you know what? I, I, I think a fair comparison is this TV show is kind of a cross between something like an X-Men and something like a, a series of unfortunate events where we're getting... I don't okay. know if you've watched this series of unfortunate events Netflix show, but... I, I, I haven't. I read the books growing up, sure. so I'm sort of familiar with the, the tone of the series, which I assume the Netflix show captured fairly yes. well. It, very much this tone of, like, things being larger than life, but yeah. also real, you know? Like, a, a weird cross of that. Yeah, well, it definitely... From what I remember of the of the Lemony Snicket books many many years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was very much this sense of it. It, it felt like it was through the a child's eyes, right? It was um yes, every, yeah, everything totally. everything was very grand and, and stuff, but also that was just how things were, and and I think it was meant to because you were seeing it through the children's eyes, and it may mm-hmm. not be exactly what's happening in Umbrella Academy, but it might be a similar sort of yes tone. Yeah, it it definitely feels. <laughs> the story is crazy it's bonkers um and it's very fun uh but um obviously the the most the thing that really makes this show what it is is the characters the main the main se- uh, seven characters really you know like um it it, yeah. it it is just focusing on their relationships and it's so fun to watch um a a, a personal highlight of mine one that you might not know going into this is there's a character called Klaus, who is basically the continuation of Nathan from Misfits, um, even to the extent that it's he's played by Robert Sheehan, the same actor. Um, <laughs> oh, now it, I'm very interested. Yeah. Well, yeah, like it, it's <laughs> he's great. He's amazing. Uh, all of the characters are. They're all very different, but all very compelling in their own ways, which is what makes this such an interesting story. Yeah, because well, I'm interested because the. I, I mean, you know, this sort of I, I, this is often more negatively connotated than than I mean it here. But the the trope of having all of these people who were once close and now they've kind of gone their own <laughs> ways is basically what I'm imagining. And now they're all sort of coming back into each other's lives. I mean, it's it's something that I, I've seen a lot in various different genres, but uh, it's something that can yeah. be done really well. Yeah, I mean, I I I wouldn't even say this show like. This show has its tropes, you know, it kind of, it, it falls into tropes, but it definitely revels in them. Like, the show is fun at its core, and, and that's why people like it so much. Um, there are obviously really compelling dramatic moments as well, but it is just a fun show to enjoy. Um, 
kind of exemplified by it does a bit of the uh, uh of the kind of guardians of the galaxy thing where there'll be a, a a fight scene or something like that and it'll kind of turn up the 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 bopping poppy music and you just kind of sit back and enjoy the show for a bit then we get back to the more dour uh you know trauma and exploration of characters and, and mental illness and and all that stuff yeah cool yeah. the other thing that i want to point out about this show is it's it's atmosphere is just perfectly captured um it's a very weird show in that it doesn't take place in our world really um and i don't know what the right comparison is for it but it's kind of like an alternate world it it does feel like kind of like it follows actually which we did a few fortnights ago on this podcast um it it's out of time it just feels out of time in a lot of ways Mm, um okay so it's kind of like generically earthy like or mm. earthish like it's um you know presumably there's like city like modern-ish cities and stuff but yes. it's not do, do they use like specific locations like you know is there the united states of america or is it all kind of kept vague and no it's, different? it is in the u.s um and it's not as it's not as out of time as it follows was but it you know it's set in it's set in a contemporary modern day but it definitely feels just like stepping into an alternate world where mm-hmm. very strange things are possible. And we'll see some of those strange things unfold over the course of the show. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. Yeah. Well, so what am I What am I signing up for here? Is this 13 episodes? That's usually the Netflix yeah, go-to, Yeah, it's a nice right? 13. Um, it has been renewed for a second season. It Actually, one of my main criticisms about the show is it really sets itself up for a season two um, <laughs> in a way that is, is kind of annoying to me, but uh, definitely worth the ride. Um, yeah. Okay. Now that season two is coming, th- that'll probably feel a bit less a bit less frustrating if I know that eventually I will get the answer to what is presumably a cliffhanger of some sort. Uh, not quite a cliffhanger, but just like it goes into it being like... Uh, Maybe, <laughs> I don't want to just compare things to our previous episodes, but Dragon Prince is probably a good example of a comparison for this, where it really felt like it was telling the first half of a story in a lot uh, of ways. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this isn't as bad as that, but, you know, it, it does do a bit of the same thing. Yeah. Because I don't know if they still do it, but I know back in the day, Netflix would often commission two seasons at a time. Like, I think... Orange is the New Black and House of Cards both produced their first two seasons as one block. And I think they did that with three and four in both shows as well. And I don't know if they still do that, but maybe maybe that ethos is is still around in in some parts of Netflix. uh, Because you're right, we definitely saw it in The Dragon Prince. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if that had happened here. (laughs) Um, But, you know... We are getting that second season, so it doesn't. Um, I I don't want to complain about it too much because you know it, I it is a show that I'm very excited to watch the next season of, and it's a show that will. I think it really did spark a lot of discussion when it first came out because it's a show that you just kind of fall in love with, and it does have flaws definitely, but it, you just, or at least I did, and I know a lot of other people did. You just find yourself getting swept up in its world so easily. Um, yeah, and it's, okay. and the lives of its characters. I I think thinking about the main uh, the main cast of characters, the main adults that were once children, there there aren't any that I can say, oh, this character isn't important to the story, doesn't get their time in the sun, or isn't entertaining to watch. Mm, that's good. Yeah, if uh, if you're gonna have a sort of not not like a full, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you're not gonna have like a full. Uh, huge cast of characters and you're just going to have like a core group uh it can be really frustrating when a few of them feel like they've been sidelined so that's good to hear that sort of all of them get some time in the sun yeah yes well without spoiling anything there is one who doesn't get as much time in the sun but you'll you'll kind of see uh the reason for that quite quickly (laughs) yeah sure okay um but they are also a very fascinating character throughout the entire show they're they're good times um anyway that's that's all i want to to kind of talk about uh, up the top i'm excited to talk more about the show when it came out when it first came out i watched it and i didn't have anyone to talk about it with so now we're here (laughs) (laughs) okay well i'll i'll uh, be ready in two weeks (laughs) yep get ready uh yeah anyway we'll uh we'll come back to it then i suppose (laughs) um but that's our episode for for this fortnight uh thank you all for joining us um 
Now, uh, if you want to, if you want to kind of uh, stay in touch with the show, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at MediaMD Podcast. Yes, you can also email us, which is uh, at MediaMDPodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Um, while you're helping out the show, feel free to check out our website, uh, MediaMDPodcast.com, which has links to uh, leave us a review on iTunes, has a link to our other show, Deep Impact, which is also on the Doof Media Network, um, where they're the very same network where Scott is from, who uh, just joined us today. Um, yeah, and it has uh, all of that great stuff. Oh, as well as all of the clues for the Media MD ARG, you can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why are his gloves so American. Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Pamphlet. Pamphlet. And we'll see you next fortnight. Thank you.